I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. And today we're doing The Cat and the Canary from 1939. Correct. And this is not to be confused with the silent classic The Cat and the Canary, uh, both of which are based on the same play by John Willard. But if you know of any version of The Cat and the Canary, you are most likely to have at least encountered the silent one. That one's really famous. This one I had never seen until we watched it recently. Hmm. But it's also been a long time since I saw the silent one. This one is the one with Bob Hope in it. Mm Mm-hmm. That definitely is funny. Right. I mean, it would be weird to have a Bob Hope movie without comedy in it. That would be peculiar yeah this is something that occurred to me though when we went to watch this al and there was something in this that surprised you as well when i told you we were going to watch a bob hope movie you didn't know who bob hope was which is understandable i mean you're eight years old right yeah but it also then occurred to me that a lot of people in general probably don't know who bob hope is (laughs) And that's weird to me, and it's definitely going to be yeah, weird to anybody weird. over the age of, like, 40. I think even as someone who's 35, you know, Bob Hope was, I don't know, like, entered my consciousness as a kid. But it still wasn't until I got a bit older and started watching more classic television and, you know, older films that I really became familiar with the work of Bob Hope. But I knew who he was, at the very least. Yeah. And he was, uh, and I didn't really tell you too much about him, Al, but... He was really one of the most important people in entertainment for decades. I mean, starting with about the cat and the canary right around this time, uh, he had come off of vaudeville, right? The traveling theater circuits, just like the Marx Brothers did, Hmm. uh, doing all kinds of, you know, traveling around, doing comedy on stages. And then he made his move into film and then he became a star of television. He hosted the Oscars, the Academy Awards. 19 times and yeah and he also worked with the uso which is a group that basically takes entertainers to give soldiers at war something to do right so like uh during world war ii the korean war vietnam war all the way up through the persian gulf war in the early 1990s bob hope would go overseas with other entertainers and entertain the troops. Huh. So he's a really important figure, man. But and just nobody, no, like almost nobody knows him. Well, at least nobody under a certain age, right? I mean, because he died yeah. 2003. So he died in 2003. He was 100 years old. What? Wow. Yeah. So he was a big deal. One of the other sad things is a lot of the times people talk about him now. They talk about his later career when he would be on television clearly reading cue cards and not 
terribly good <laughs> in what he was doing. But right here in The Cat and the Canary, he is in his prime. Yeah. He died like only eight years before I was born. Yeah. Still. And even then, though, like people who are born 10 years earlier or even 15 years earlier might not have heard of Bob Hope. And what surprised you, though, was that I told you that one of the reasons people wouldn't know who he was is that a lot of people also don't know much about our culture before the era in which they live. And so a lot of people just don't watch black and white movies or silent movies. Yeah, because people, I don't know how to explain it. I don't even know why. Yeah, to you it's so strange that people wouldn't because you've been raised in a household where I watch silent films and black and white films constantly, and therefore you do too. Most of black and, like, some black and white films are, like, really, really important. Mm Mm-hmm. And also good. (laughs) Let's not forget that. Not just important, but really, really good. Yeah. It surprises me, because I do actually think some black and white movies are better than other movies. Well, and you've requested, over the last week, movies falling into three very specific categories. Do you recall which? Three categories? Um, comedy? Well, comedy, yeah, 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 yeah. that's a genre. But within the comedy genre, you've requested three types of comedies, or three specific stars, we should say. You requested... Uh, Bob Hope movies, Mm -hmm. um, Marx Brothers, and... uh, um, Buster Keaton movies. <laughs> exactly. So those are your requests, yeah. though. This isn't stuff that I'm like, ow, you need to watch Marx Brothers. This is what happens when we wake up in the morning and we have the days off. Al just wants to watch Buster Keaton and Marx Brothers all day. And then once we watched Cat and the Canary, uh, you were pretty much hooked on Bob Hope. I was like, can we watch Ghost Breakers? Because that was the other one we that had. That was the other one we got. Yeah, we got these two. Uh, well, I got these into review for uh, Film Monthly. The Cat and the Canary Blu-ray. Well, both of them. The Cat and the Canary and the Ghost Breakers. Uh, Bob Hope horror comedies, thriller comedies. Come out on September 15th. Which is after we're recording this, but before you're going to hear this. So they will already be out on Blu-ray. We couldn't not review it here because we had so much fun with it. And Al wanted to cover it for the show. So, Alistair, basic plot summary, and then let's just get into different things you want to talk about. basically, like, it's just like Bob Hope. It's like Bob Hope comes in. Bob Hope and other people. And then... Bob Hope is like keeps just mentioning parts of a play he was in. Yeah. That kind of is like a joke cuz somehow it ties into the movie. Right, right, right. So what's the basic plot then? So basic, that's what he's doing, yeah. but like what's the basic plot? The basic is Paulette Goddard, I think it's bo- in both of the movies. Yeah, Paulette yeah. Goddard, Goddard as you pronounced it, but I'm pretty I sure can. it's Goddard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, but I think I don't it's her. her. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's her that inherited the house. Mm-hmm. She inherits so, an estate from yeah. like an eccentric millionaire, and she gets all the money, everything. She gets. She's the sole beneficiary. 
Yeah. But there's one condition for her having all that money in the house. What does she have to not do for 30 days? Go insane. Yes. Because he does say that there is a stroke of insanity in the family. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's in the will. Since everybody in the family has the possibility of being insane because that's something that runs in the family. If she goes insane within 30 days, the estate defaults to the next person in line and nobody knows who that is. The name is sealed away in an envelope. Yeah. Right? So everybody in the house then is potentially the next heir in the line if her character, her character whose name is uh, Joyce, right? So if Joyce goes insane, then somebody else in the house is the next in line. But no one knows. No one knows who, except when the movie opens, George Zuko, who plays the lawyer, right, who's reading the will. And George Zuko, I don't know if you recognized him. He's in, like, the Mummy sequels. He's the guy who huh? controls the mummy in, like, the first couple Mummy sequels. No, like I don't remember. Like the high priest kind of a guy. Hmm. He's also in Monster and the Girl, Flying Serpent... The only one I remember that had someone controlling the mummy was, I don't know. Well, we watched it. But yeah. The last one we watched was not George Zuko no. controlling yeah, the mummy. Yeah, because I don't really this remember is, this. This is him, though. That's what he looks like. Oh. Yeah, yeah. so he's the one who plays the lawyer. <laughs> and he finds that somebody has opened that envelope. To figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. But we don't even know who it is. No, we sure don't. He doesn't even know who it is. It could be Bob Hope's character, Wally. It could be anybody. It could be someone that isn't even in the house. Mm, that's we true. We don't know. That's true. Well, one thing to mention before we get into who Wally is, Bob Hope's character, I wanted to tell you about this because you just learned a bit about Charlie Chaplin the other day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Paulette Goddard was married to Charlie Chaplin. For a while. And she was in at least two films with him. The, uh, she was in Modern Times and The Great Dictator. I think it might have mentioned that, but if it did, I probably don't remember it. If I did, I definitely would be surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great bit of trivia for you, huh? <laughs> but, uh, okay, so Wally, Bob Hope's character. Who's he? What's he about? He's, like... <sighs> You said he was in a play, but it's a very specific kind of play. The play he was in was a horror mystery. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I'm trying to get at a specific medium here. <laughs> like, was it a stage play? Hmm. You don't remember this, do you? No. I, no, I don't <laughs> remember what, like, the... What kind of a yeah. performer he was specifically. He's a radio star, right? This is from the era oh, before... Right. Yeah. Television was in every household. You had radio stars. So yeah, he was yeah. in radio mystery plays. And he's like, you know, he's a performer. He's a comedy guy. And he was in these plays that bear some resemblance, as you pointed out, to the situation that they're in. Once people start disappearing, once the mystery is afoot, you know. And then someone is like, it would be a great night for a murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what happens? Someone gets murdered. Yeah. Well, and there's other complications, too. Yeah. Because, oh my gosh, like a, a security guard guy shows up at the house, right? This house is really isolated. It's out in, like, the Louisiana 
bayous, basically. Yeah, and they have to stay a night because they can't get back without swimming where there's crocodiles. Yeah, alligators. Alligators. Yeah. Somebody calls them crocodiles in the movie, though, and and she gets corrected. But, yes, they're alligators all around, so they can't leave. And this guard shows up. What's his news? He says that a maniac has escaped. Yeah, he's from the like insane asylum down the street and a murderous maniac has escaped. So all this is going on, right? All of these uh, things are in play and Joyce has to keep from going insane. And yet people are coming out of the walls and people are vanishing. So she looks pretty insane. Yeah. And like, um, he says that he crawls like around on his hands and knees and has like teeth and claws and they call him the cat. Yeah, yeah, the the maniac is called the cat. So I want to talk a little bit about the tone of the movie before we go on. Cuz that's the basic plot, right? Joyce is maybe going insane or there's maybe somebody trying to kill her or maybe trying to make her look insane so that they can inherit the estate. We don't know, right? Like that's part of the mystery. Or like or maybe they just are maniacs. Or maybe there's just a maniac, right? And Crawling around the house like Maybe it's just a maniac and has no idea what he's doing and just kills. Yeah. We don't know. So we're talking a lot about the murder and mystery and horror elements. But, but you've got Bob Hope here. Bob yeah, Hope who's known so, for comedy. Yeah. And the first comedy scene that I remember was when the caretaker, if I'm correct... Says that there's... The, the woman, the maid? Yeah. Says there's spirits all around. His character, and he's like, well, can you put some in a glass and put some ice in it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some good booze jokes in there, for sure. So, right, he's making jokes, okay? Wally's making jokes. But what impresses me about this movie more than anything is I legitimately thought this is what we were going to get, okay? I thought that the movie was going to be... The story of the cat and the canary, the same story that I knew from the silent film, right? The same story about people in a house and there's maybe a maniac and maybe somebody trying to drive somebody insane. I thought we were going to get that. But with Bob Hope running around, sort of telling jokes and kind of deflating all the thriller elements, right? Like making it not seem as scary or tense as it otherwise could be. And it's not that. No, he's just funny i guess what i'm getting at is is the comedy here ever making the movie not scary no that's the amazing thing about the cat and the canary as hysterical as bob hope is the movie is still a legitimate thriller it's still a horror movie it's a horror comedy the horror lands and the comedy lands it works both it's of them. It's amazing. And it's hard to believe because it's so weird how they how it worked together. Well, do you know how they made it work specifically with his character? No? Like, do you have any guesses as to hmm. why it works specifically? Like from a writing perspective? No. What makes it work to my mind is that Wally's jokes are never at the expense of the situation. He's never joking about the murder in a way that diminishes the murder. He's never joking about the potential of the maniac in a way that diminishes the threat of the maniac. No. All of his jokes, 
he makes to make himself feel a little bit less scared. The more he jokes, the more we know he is legitimately terrified. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, the funnier he gets, the more tension builds. Because we understand that the more he's cracking jokes, the more uncomfortable he is. And at some point, he stops making jokes. Because we know Mm. that it's so scary that, like, he can't even joke about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Towards the end of the movie. Like, basically at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the 10, I think, like, 10, around, like, the... 10 15 something but not too long from the end of the movie yeah basically the third act he just can't joke anymore i mean the stakes are too high like the beginning of like the third act was like he made a joke and then like he doesn't do that anymore because he is terrified absolutely man well okay so one thing we haven't (laughs) really identified i suppose is we are a monster movie podcast right yeah you mentioned the cat but the cat is basically our monster here yeah it is because like basically the lawyer um like because pa um because joyce joyce is a reading and then the the lawyer comes in and then he vanishes yeah, and he's then, just standing in the room, and then the wall opens up. And then a hand comes out. Yeah. So we got a lot of the hand of the cat reaching out of trap doors and just grabbing people and trying to, like, and then clutch it. Another necks. joke from another funny thing from Bob Hope. Someone says that he's um, probably just out with, what's his name? Out in the front yard. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember the character's name. One of the other relatives. Yeah, and he's like, and then there's a frog croaking, and he's talking to the frog like he's him, and then he comes in from next to him. Yeah, I think it was like, I don't know, Fred or somebody like that was out front. Absolutely. Yeah. But okay, anything else to talk about before we get into the Uh, segments? Yeah. Okay. Like, the end of the movie? Basically, well, don't spoil it. Well, no, no, it is. But like, I guess you can talk about sort of the final set pieces. Not really that, but I like that around at the beginning when he's like, where was he standing? When did he disappear? He's like, right where, um, like she says, like, right where you're standing, Wally. Yeah. And he's like, (laughs) and he like jumps away. Yeah. Yeah. So. That points to where the end of the movie goes, right? So where do the characters end up in the final sequence, which adds to the horror of it all? What's her name? Joyce. Joyce's room. Okay, so what happens in Joyce's room? The cat's hand comes out of a, like, a plate in the wall, basically. Or, like, a wooden piece in the wall. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm talking about the end of the movie. Yeah. Where did they go in the end of the movie? That's what I'm saying. In a secret passageway. Yes, thank you. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. So they go from the safety of like rooms, well-lit rooms, to the nightmarish secret passageways inside the walls. And who's in the walls? The cat. Oh, man. Is that where you would like to be? No. No? (laughs) Well, What does the cat look like? Let's talk about that. It's like, it's hard to explain, really. 
You know what I mean? It's kind of hard to explain how he looks like. His face just looks like a maniac. Yeah, he's got like a really, I don't know, poofy, like meaty... It just <laughs> looks like sunken in eyes. It just looks like he is a maniac, like a killer, a maniac. He he's got like yeah, sort of a lifeless face, and he's got yeah. the claws. You know, and yeah. he's hiding in the walls, and of it, course, Joyce ends up in the walls because she thinks Wally's in the walls, and it's the cat. Yep. Well, we want to get into the segments. Sure, absolutely. I mean, move right from talking about describing the cat into beastly best makes sense. So, what's the best monster moment in this movie? I do say the best monster moment is the second time the hand comes out of the wall trying to get Joyce. When she's in bed? No, when the second time she goes in the library. Or the third time when she's in the library alone. Okay, I know what you mean, yeah. So, there are numerous moments throughout this movie where walls open up and the cat tries to grab Joyce. Yeah, and it's pretty scary. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really spooky mm-hmm. stuff. But it's I agree that the hand's yeah. coming out of the Especially wall. Especially, like, the third time when the lights are off. And, oh, like, yeah. And, the thing opens up and it's just black. I think, for me, my my favorite moment, sort of monstery and, moment... And that's, like, the first time you see his face. Yeah, yeah, we see his face pretty late in the game. But my favorite monster moment is actually an earlier instance of that. When she's in bed, and the hand reaches in and tries to grab her throat. I think that's the coolest monster I actually monster think moment. that's after when I'm saying... No, 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 this is the first time it happens. So when she's in bed, and the hand comes out of the wall and tries to strangle her... That, I think, is really cool, because that's the first moment where we know that the cat is really after her. And that adds a, you know, a whole layer of uncertainty to the situation, because we don't know then if the cat is just a maniac who's there to kill people, or if it is indeed somebody who's a family member trying to mess with her. We don't know. Or, Or they might just look at a mania, like... It might seem like he's a maniac, but why would a maniac go after just one person? Yeah, that's that like at first. That twists up the story. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery there. Absolutely. Yeah. So then to move into Get Spooked, what is for you the spookiest moment? My beastly best is also, I do say, the spookiest moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a great kind of scare moment that I want to point to which is a little bit later, all of the people are in the room. Everybody in the house is in that bedroom, in Joyce's bedroom. And Wally finds that cord. You know, he oh, reaches yeah. into the wall and finds the cord, and he pulls the cord, and what happens? Um, uh, Like, a thing in the wall opens up, and then, like, the lawyer guy's dead body falls out. Yeah, the dead body just plops right out of the wall. Yeah. That's, and he's a, like, whew, that's a spooky moment. Yeah. You don't find the cord immediately because it's hidden like behind the thing that the cat's hand came out of. Yeah, exactly. So then Funny Bones, clearly a lot of funny stuff in this movie. What's the funniest bit to you? Um, I have a couple. My favorite moments were when it was like when they think they see the cat and then it is literally a cat. 
Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just the cat. It's literally a cat. Because whenever they think they see, like, the actual cat, like, the maniac, it turns out it's just a normal cat. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. That's my favorite moments. And, of course, in those moments, <laughs> there there's also this element where it could just be, like, a shapeshifter or something. There's also promise of ghosts because the maid talks to spirits, you know? So there's all this weird supernatural stuff going on in there too right it's a horror comedy but it's also got a lot of legitimately spooky ideas too i mean anything where bob hope is you know delivering jokes especially about booze i like that spirits joke that you talked about that's a great joke i think that was the hardest i laughed during the whole movie because that's it was it was really smart but there's a lot of smart humor from bob hope's character Yeah, he does definitely have jokes that tell you he's literally, he is freaked out and afraid. Yeah. That brings us to our big one, and I don't know if you've thought about it much, Scream Themes. What's a big message of this movie, a big takeaway that we should, as an audience, process and absorb? What I'm thinking this says is that Sometimes if you're so greedy, you will do something really bad, and then that will happen to you. So even if you don't like what happens and you're really, really mad, you should just wait. Just go with it. Because it is about this family being torn apart by the promise of all this money, people start thinking and doing bad things. Greed ruins people. Greed strips people of their humanity, right? The real monsters are the greedy to whom human life means nothing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with a single bit of that theme. Yeah, because if you do watch the movie and think about the ending enough, then you will realize that it does make a connection. Yeah, good job, man. So... That's it for The Cat and the Canary. If people want to support the show, what can they do, Alistair? You can go to patreon.com slash wordsalad. Mm-hmm. And all the money we bring in there goes to Alistair's college fund. Mm. Um, that supports also uh, our show and Word Salad Radio. So head over there, Word Salad, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Word Salad. Lots of exclusive content. Next month for October, we've got big stuff coming up for CadaverCast. We've got multiple complete films with our commentary over the top. (laughs) Yep. One thing I do want to mention about the month of October in terms of our public show, though, is things have obviously been crazy this year with me working entirely from home, Al doing remote learning and stuff. So we're not entirely sure how many episodes we're going to be able to put out in the month of October. We will at least put out our two episodes, and we've got a big one planned for near the end of the month. But uh, we're not going to be hitting one every week (laughs) for the month of October like we have in the past, uh, because this year has just been a little bit crazy and stressful, as you all know. But you will not lack for CadaverCast if that's what you're looking forward to. You know, we've put together the big stuff for Patreon, the full commentaries, and that took quite a bit of time. And yeah, uh, it in does. addition, we're going to have those our two public episodes, 
which are going to be big ones of who the Al is and a review for the end of the month of a Halloween classic film. And we appreciate your support no matter what it looks like. And to that end, other things you can do to support the show. One, the biggest thing, share it out. Help us get seen by other people who may enjoy what we do. That's always a huge help. That's how we've grown since the beginning. Yeah. And then uh, ratings and reviews, that sort of business. You know, you know the routine. You've heard it on other shows. But where can our listeners find us online? You can find us on Twitter at cadaver underscore cast. You can find us on Facebook at the Cadaver Cast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. You can find us at Instagram or in Instagram or <laughs> on Instagram yeah. on Instagram <laughs> at cadavercast one word yep and uh, you can email us at cadavercast at gmail dot com great work dude yeah you finally got these down mm-hmm. <laughs> got it awesome so thank you for listening everybody Alistair you know what to do. You've been listening to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love you. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you again in October. Yeah. See you there. He is a maniac. Like, a killer. A maniac.